Riggers, we are back for season nine. Did you miss us? We missed you. Uh, I'm this emoji right now. The little huggy guy, the one with his face and his little hands right here. That is my most used emoji, BT dubs. Interesting. My most used emoji is the laughing crying face, which apparently is not cool to use anymore, but there's been so much that's happened on this off season. It feels like it's been forever. Let's be honest. It's been like a hundred years since we were put out an episode, basically a hundred years. And it's just, I don't know, we're going to hit episode a hundred in this season and it's going to be amazing. Yes. So in this episode, we actually had the wonderful pleasure of bringing on a guest, which y'all know we don't do all that often. So we only do it when either Dan's having babies or when it's worth having the person on. This was definitely worth having the person on. Yeah, y'all, Jamie Lee joined us. So Jamie Lee is this incredible comedian, author, and she is the star of Netflix original series, The Wedding Coach, which is coming out on April 7th. Tomorrow. <laughs> well, yeah, if you're listening to this, Dan and I already got to watch a little sneak peek because Netflix gave us the hookup, which we were real thankful for. Well, hey, it's a really good series. Watch that. But this episode, we got to chat with Jamie and y'all, we got into some real talk. Okay. So buckle up, friends, because she dropped some knowledge bombs, some major real talk going on in this episode. And I think y'all are going to really enjoy it. And we just thought what better way to come back from our little break, start with season nine with somebody really amazing like her. Absolutely. And so a lot's been going on, especially on our Instagram. You have to go there, go to Instagram.com or in the Instagram app, Instagram.com. Who says that anymore? (laughs) Yeah. Your crying emoji app is showing, Dan. Open the Instagram app and then put at put a ring on a podcast. It's really amazing. Basically, every Sunday night or Monday morning, we're putting this story box up and you can ask us a question for Wedding Tip Wednesday. But if you go to patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I, that's what I was thinking of before. You can get at us. We're coming alongside a ton of couples and just helping them through their wedding planning journey by opening ourselves up to answering questions and all that. So access to us at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Yes, the Ringer Club is growing and we want you to be a part of it. So please come join us and let's do the show. Planning a wedding is hard work, am I right? But you are not alone. Welcome to the Put a Ring on It podcast. I'm Danielle Pasternak, wedding planner of DP Knack Events. I'm Dan Moyer, wedding photographer of Daniel Moyer Photography. Together, we are two wedding pros with a fork ton of experience sharing our best tips and tricks and downright sensible advice for a wedding that feels good to you. Plain and simple, we got your back. Hey, Dan, are you ready? Let's do this. Well, Dan, I just have to say this. We get a lot of requests for people that want to be guests on the show. And there are a ton that Dan and I will say no to. But when this one came creeping into the inbox, uh, I have to say this one really felt right. Right, Dan? Like I emailed you and I was like, what do you think? And we're like, yes. Yes. We had our questions. And then once we got to see a little teaser, we were like, yes, this is such a perfect fit. And we're so excited to bring this episode to you guys because there's something also coming down your way that we're really excited to chat about today. So many good things. This is one of these wonderful moments where our worlds and another part of the world collides and it's just mm, magic. Yep. So today's guest is Jamie Lee from the new Netflix original series, The Wedding Coach. So Jamie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here and chatting with us. Yay. Thanks for having me. 
We need a clap track for when we have guests on like this. Remember, I do have the clapping machine, but you told me not to use that anymore. That's true. No props for you. So, Jamie, before we dive into everything about like the Netflix show, I want to know even more about like your story. How did you get to where you are here today? Well, I'm a stand-up comedian first and foremost, and I got married in 2016. And when I was planning my wedding, a friend of mine reached out to me and we had talked about maybe writing a book together. And she was like, this actually might be a really great time for us to write that book because you're in the process of getting married. And there really are no funny, honest books about getting married. Like everything in the wedding space is very fun, always celebrating the fantasy, you know, really like pushing the goods and services of like the cake and the dress and all the fun things. But no one was really talking about the emotional experience in a way that felt relatable. And so I kind of was like, okay, well, I'll lend my experience to filling that space on the bookshelves. So that's when I wrote Ridiculous, like uh, ridiculous, but with weddings. And that's kind of how things got moving. And that book actually was written in real time. I was writing it as I was going through the wedding planning process. So every time I had any kind of interaction or hiccup or anything, I would go to my laptop and write about it. So yeah, that's kind of what ended up becoming the book. That's amazing. As if you didn't already have enough on your plate, you're like, let's also write a book. Why not? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that it was such a stressful time in my life that being able to write about it and sort of like release some of that tension was actually really comforting. Um, at first I thought it was going to be a nightmare and then I realized it actually was like kind of the thing that saved me a little bit. So that's obviously like a big thing that you undertook while getting married. So then what happens to lead you from ridiculous to now this new Netflix show, the wedding coach? Well, I think that my mission in writing ridiculous, it was to let people know that they're not alone. I think for me, at least I always considered myself to be a very low maintenance bride. I never even really thought of myself as a bride. I kind of just thought of myself as someone who was getting married. I wasn't someone who like dreamed about my wedding day when I was a little girl. I was kind of just not really into it in those ways that were sort of classically fed to me. And so people were telling me, you know, get ready. It's going to be really hard. You know, there's going to be some fights. There are going to be some tough conversations. Like getting married is not all roses and orchids. Um, and I was like, oh, no, 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 that won't happen to me. And then it did happen to me. So I think that there was this feeling of why aren't more people talking about this in sort of an open and honest way that maybe would prevent some like loneliness and isolation. I know I was feeling a little lonely and isolated during the wedding planning process. So I thought, well, if there was a way for me to actually like physically help people who are going through this time, almost like queer eye, but for weddings, I think that that would be like a really great service to lend to people. And also it would make for really great television. So that's how the wedding coach came about. And I decided to kind of be the person that I wish had been there to hold my hand when I was in the thick of the planning process. So spoiler alert, our ringer friends that are listening, Dan and I, we actually got to preview some of these episodes prior. And honestly, we are so excited about the launch of it. We love the approach. Everything about this podcast is really about focusing on the joy, like peeling back all the layers, all the BS of it all, and just being like, okay, what are we talking about? So I'm so excited for y'all to see this show. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You always kind of wonder what you're going to expect when you see a television show. And I think you really captured some of the 
real stress that happens and how it can a lot of times lead people apart and how so much of wedding planning can be isolation. And you talked about that before that you had this kind of isolating experience. So can you talk a little bit about that? You know, why wedding planning can be so tough and how you ended up approaching this isolation. And when you saw that in the show, how do you end up approaching couples with that? Yeah. If I'm being completely honest, I think that my wedding planning process was particularly stressful because I was dealing with my husband's family and they were definitely wanting to be more involved than my family. And I kind of assumed that I would have this autonomy over my wedding and they really wanted to sort of like stake their claim and put their stamp on it. And I didn't like that. I really wanted to have all of the control. And I realized like I had a lot of struggles with kind of understanding how to set up boundaries with my in-laws, with my own parents, watching my husband interact with my parents, him watching me interact with his parents. And like, it was just causing a lot of fights. And I'm not saying that my process is like necessarily different or worse than other people's, but I do think it was on the more extreme end of the spectrum, which is why I think I have that perspective now that I am like really determined to use for good because it really was, if I'm being honest, one of the worst times of my life. Like the wedding was amazing. No question. Was it worth it? Can't really say. Honestly, like, was it? I don't know. It was a great time. Turned out beautifully. People had a great time. But when I look back, I don't have that sort of rose-colored glasses feeling of like, it was all worth it. You know, we did it. You know, we persevered and we came out on top. It's like, no, it was really destructive. And yeah, it was just really hard on our relationship. And I think that the good thing about it is that you learn a lot about what you're getting into. You learn about your relationship in ways that maybe you weren't really excited to confront, but nonetheless had to. So the one silver lining is that it can be really eye-opening in terms of how you as a couple deal with outside stress and circumstantial stress. And can you guys take on these challenges together in a healthy way or do the challenges cause more permanent lasting destruction? Like it's unfortunate to have to talk about these things and it's sort of disgustingly sad that weddings can actually cause people to be torn apart when the whole point of them is to bring the two of you together. Just the irony of that, it can be a real mind fork. I'm sorry that you went through that experience. I think as couples go through it and everybody has their own journey and their own story to tell with it, but I think you've came out of it with this badge now that you're saying like, I did my time. I took a lot from it and here I am standing today. And that's a wonderful thing. But I like that you're kind of using that to help other people because there are so many couples that Dan and I hear from, even those that we work with on a personal basis that feel like what they're going through feels like they're probably the only ones that are going through it because nobody else wants to talk about it. Nobody else outside of like these crazy Facebook groups where people are just being noisy and venting about all these crazy things. Nobody's actually really sharing the like, oh, this feels really isolating. And I feel like I'm on this island by myself because I think we've done a whole episode on this before. I think a lot of people are worried that they're going to be called this bridezilla name, right? Because it's scary as they're going through all this. And one of the things you say earlier on in one of the episodes was I've always hated the term bridezilla label because wedding stress is real. We hate it too. And you said we should be sensitive to it as if it were a medical condition. And to put that into perspective to our listeners who are 
probably just getting into the swing of things and don't fully understand that. I'd love to hear more about that from you. Right. Well, um, yes, I hate the term bridezilla. I also think it's quite sexist. It's sort of in the vein of like calling an opinionated woman mouthy or bossy. There's just something inherently sexist about it. And groomzilla too. It's just a little like it undermines people's feelings when you slap a label like that on. And it's like just saying like, oh, people are just needlessly hysterical. No, people are losing a lot of money that they worked hard for because they feel a social societal pressure to spend that kind of money to prove to the people in their lives that like they have it together and can pull together this amazing event that's going to blow people's minds. And, you know, you're proving to yourself also that you can pull this thing off. And there are just so many layers to it. And it just makes me so upset that we've kind of brushed it off as like, oh, well, if it's a wedding related type of stress, then it's not real. And it's like, do people forget that stress makes people physically ill? Like my stomach hurt for weeks when I was getting married. And I just think that there needs to be more of a dialogue around the stress and the bridezilla label and debunking that, but also like acknowledging that maybe this whole thing we call weddings is a little flawed and we need to figure out a way to take charge of our weddings instead of letting the wedding industry take charge of us. Because I think we get to a place where there's a lot of just like keeping up with the Joneses and it doesn't matter what income bracket you're in. There is always a level of like, I have to prove to people that I'm great and that I can afford this. It's like, what are we doing? Especially after going to all these weddings for the show and also just weddings in my life. There are weddings that were opulent and over the top and they were some of the most loveless experiences I've ever witnessed. And then I went to one that was in a backyard and a tornado hit. And I was like, wow, this couple's going to make it like they love each other. The wedding does not equal the marriage. There is no correlation, at least not in the bigger, the better. Totally. And I'm also realizing, you know, I'll put a disclaimer on this. This is going to sound a little bit like a judgment. Um, I'll own that part of me. But I do think that if you are planning a more sort of traditionally like mid-sized to large wedding and there are decorations involved and party planners and all this stuff, like you need to make sure that you're not using that as a distraction from your relationship. Because I do think there can be a level of trying to ignore that the relationship is actually not that strong by throwing yourself into the event planning of it all. And I think there are a lot of people who have amazing over-the-top weddings and they're very in love. Like I've also been to those, I want to be clear, but I think that even for myself, there was a level of like, just keep planning, just keep planning. And it's like, well, you're not dealing with the larger issues that actually are going to carry on well past your wedding date. You know, like there are things that come up that need to be addressed way more than like what color flowers are going to be on the hoppa or whatever. One of the things that Danielle always says, and I always give her credit for this because it's so smart, is that you need four things to get married. You need someone to marry, someone to marry you, the marriage license, and maybe a cute outfit. That's it, right? So the wedding becomes this luxury and you can make it in whatever form and shape you want, but there's so much pressure to do it. So as you are recording the show and you're seeing all these different kinds of weddings, how are you going through and figuring out what's important to each couple and coaching them through that process? I think my main objective with every couple, the one thing that was sort of 
I would say the common denominator for all couples was just really trying to get them to reconnect and remember how and why they got into this position in the first place, which sounds kind of like broad advice, but it's actually pretty like intricate once you sort of insert yourself into their relationship. So you're looking at your wedding, you're looking at all these other uh, weddings, and it sounds like you're telling everybody, you know, forget about all the stuff that can distract you and focus on the joy, right? So what are the aspects of the wedding day that were actually meaningful to you on your wedding day? And then what you personally think are just the most important parts of it? Um, The things that were probably the most impactful, I would say the ceremony, definitely. That was my favorite part, writing my own vows. I loved that. And honestly, the best part of my wedding was having all the people I care about from all the different corners of my life staying at one hotel. I mean, the wedding was great, but it was that Thursday before the wedding. We had a Saturday wedding. Like everybody started to arrive and there were like texts flying around being like, hey, you know, if you're not too tired, like let's all meet at the bar. Like we're all just kind of hanging out and getting some appetizers and, you know, feel free to stop by. It wasn't a rehearsal dinner. It wasn't even an official welcome dinner. There was nothing. It was just like the first night when people were just getting in. And that was probably my favorite night was sitting around a fire pit at this hotel bar. My grandfather was there. He's in his nineties, my friends from childhood, some newer friends. Like it was just such a cool melting pot and it was so organic and it was so low stakes. And I think to me, looking back, if that is my favorite part, there's a reason for that. Like there was no pressure, you know, there was no planning really, other than being like, all be at the same hotel if you can be. So I'm not sure hundred percent what the takeaway is there, but I do know that the moments you don't try to orchestrate are going to be the best moments, hands down. Yeah. Our favorite part, and actually my favorite photograph from our entire wedding is we had a pizza party rehearsal at our house the day before. And it was just backyard games in the middle of June and hanging out. And I think people often forget to just leave room for the unexpected. Every single part of the day is scheduled and maintained and oversaw. What are you thinking about, Danielle? Yeah. Well, I think there's a certain amount of it because you're investing a good deal of money into this more often than not. So you need to have some sort of structure around it. And I know that's not at all what we're saying here, but I love when you are able as the couple to get to that finish line and start getting all these people come in and giving yourself time and space to just be with these people. Because how often in your life are all these favorite people together on the planet under one roof for one reason, right? Like this is your time for that. And if you wait until last minute that you're doing all these like bajillion little things and you're running around, that is one of the biggest regrets we hear from so many people is that after the wedding is we didn't get to spend time Yeah. You always hear it's a blur. Everybody says that they're like, it's a blur. I'm like, it shouldn't be a blur. I mean, it's a action packed day, right? Like if you think back on any big major day in your life, it was like, whoa, that was amazing. It certainly wasn't your longest day of your life because it's exciting. And you're constantly looking forward to the next thing. And that's wonderful. I promise you like all of that planning becomes so worth it when you're just with the people, when the pressure is off and you're just kind of enjoying all that time together. That said, I have found And I think it's interesting because the show really touches on this is that so many couples kind of have that one person or like group of people that are just like, whether it's like a mom or a brother or a sister or a bridesmaid or a groomsman that just has no strong business sticking their nose in, but they do it anyway. And I'm curious if you have any advice, because 
I really liked, not that I liked seeing that everybody kind of dealt with this, but I think it provides comfort again in knowing that, oh my gosh, I'm not alone in that this person has all these feelings and emotions and things. Do you have any advice for how to handle those strong personalities when it comes to wedding planning or even like the wedding day itself? Yeah. I think that if it's a friend, the more you can really internalize the notion of lowering your expectations, the happier you will be. Like make a pact with yourself. Doesn't matter how close they are, what you did for their wedding. No, strip it all away. Lower, 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 lower the bar because most disappointment comes from expectations not being met. And it's easier said than done. You know, I definitely felt disappointed by different situations, different friends, but this is also part of it is that I think because we're told this is a fantasy time, like we assume that every person is operating within the fantasy as well. That's not true. You're the only one getting married. They are dealing with their children. They're dealing with their jobs. They're dealing with other weddings they're a part of. You have to realize like, yes, it's going to be a blast for you and you are going to get all this attention and it's going to be a fun creative outlet because you're going to get to like make gift bags or whatever. But that is not everyone else's experience in your orbit. They are for you. You are not it for them. And the quicker you can accept that and get your ego out of there, the happier you will be throughout the whole process. And that sucks. It sucks to have to know that, but also having these reality checks with yourself only help you in the long run. And it doesn't negate the fantasy. You can still find fantasy in your wedding dress. Wow. You never get to wear a dress like that. That is a fantasy. Tasting cakes. You don't get to do that every day. That's the fantasy. You can find the fantasy in things that you can control, but you will never be able to control another person in your life. So don't even attempt it. You will just be sad. <laughs> As you speak to a major control freak over here, you're speaking to my heart. <laughs> yeah, I am too, man. I am too. Again, speaking from experience, it's so easy to feel let down. And yeah, you just have to know that everyone's pretty selfish, yourself included. And that's really the truth. Yeah. As you were going through the show, there was definitely a couple of times where you had to like kind of reel people back in and give them some truth talks. Um, was there any memorable parts of the show or your favorite parts about filming the show? Yeah, there was one episode in particular where there was a bridesmaid who was really causing the bride a lot of stress because she wasn't giving them a clear answer on whether or not she was going to be in the bridal party. And we we're coming down to the wire and it's like, are you in? Are you out? And I ended up having to have this like really awkward conversation with her. I mean, it was so tense that when we stopped filming, it was like at night and I walked back to the car to go back to my hotel I was like, oh, I, that was really hard. Like I said out loud to everybody on the crew, like that was a tough one. So yeah, I remember that being really difficult, but also I was really glad that I was there to help broker that conversation because I could see it in my bride's eyes and the groom. I mean, they both were just so affected by this one dynamic in their lives. And it's one of those things where it's like, someone just needs to like come in and help remove the roadblock. Because I think the tough thing is that People are so solidified in their family dynamics and it's helpful to have someone from the outside come in and not be like, wow, this is how you're dysfunctional, but give you the space 
to acknowledge that things aren't working for you. And that is one of the healthier things about getting married. I mean, it's a really hard pill to swallow, but if you can swallow it, it will heal you is taking this time to start setting those boundaries of the two of you being, you know, an autonomous unit together and going up against the world as a unit, because that to me really is the recipe for a great marriage is like, you're going to have things come up, but if you really are a united front, like you can kind of weather any storm. So I think use this time of getting married to know that it's going to be hard. Again, you're not ruining the fantasy because things are hard sometimes, but yeah, I think that if you can use the time as a lesson in how to stick together and like really go up against people and challenges together. Um, It's not going to be fun, but ultimately once the wedding is done and now it's just marriage, you'll be really happy that you went through that. Quick follow-up on that. That was sounds like a challenging situation. And just from what we saw on kind of the outside edge, there was lots of challenging situations. Was there like a self high five moment that you had like throughout the show where you were like, yes, this is what made me feel really good. Yes. Well, there was always the self high five at the end of every episode, at the end of every wedding, there really was this feeling of like, we did it. We do that too. (laughs) Yeah. They did it. I did it. My plus one did it. Like that was always the self high five. The other one would be one of my couples. They were dealing with, again, a tough conversation between the bride and her mom about the bride's biological dad, there was tension between the mom and the biological dad. They were not together anymore. And my bride was afraid to talk to her mom about it. She felt awkward. She also had kind of a strained relationship with her dad. So she felt awkward there. And when she finally had that conversation with her mom that she had been waiting to have, too afraid to have, I walked out of there being like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Like that's the juice. Like that's what matters is like, Talk to your mom. Yes, it sucks. It's hard. But not doing it just makes you so much sadder. It's crazy the anticipation we build around having that really tough conversation that once we're in the conversation, it's almost never as difficult as we've built it up to be. Not to say there aren't hard conversations, but we always build it up and it's hard. It's like the human thing to do, right? It's why we procrastinate. It's why we just do the things that we do. Oh, yeah. Confrontation is the worst. Yes, but to see the relief and the weight physically lifted off of someone's shoulders afterwards absolutely is one of the joys. Like, let's even play out the scenario because I'm sure some of the ringers listening have experienced this. Let's even say that the tough conversation actually makes the person that you're having it with more uncomfortable. It's still better because really the painful part is you carrying around that need to say something and not having a place to put it. Like I had one of those conversations when I was getting married and kind of like several months of just awkwardness that wasn't really reserved until after my wedding. And I'm still grateful that I had it, even though that I was probably tactless. I definitely raised my voice at one point was not cool of me, but at the end of the day, at least I did it because I was suffering leading up to that conversation. I mean, truly like it was on my chest. It was taking over my body. I hated it. Yep. Weddings bring out some of the most wonderful and most terrible parts of all of us. One of the questions I get asked is, well, what do you do? And I get to say, I'm a planner. And top three questions all the time is, oh, do you ever work with any bridezillas? A, I hate that word, like we said earlier, but every time I have to be like, 
No, I work with people that are planning a major life event with all this expectation around it in a time when there's like Pinterest and Instagram and all these really misleading things out there that they're looking at constantly who are having a lot of feelings and emotions while they also invest a couple thousand dollars. No, I just work with real humans that are trying to navigate this world. Can you imagine if everything you just said and someone didn't have emotions, that's a sociopath. So what do you want? Do you want a bridezilla or do you want a sociopath? (laughs) I choose bridezilla because at least that person feels. Yeah. I just think it's such a huge task. And I think the more that people understand that it's okay to not be 100% perfect all the time. And quite frankly, I'd rather you not be because at a certain point you will blow up. Right. So if there's like one takeaway for couples planning a wedding that you kind of learned throughout filming all of this, what would you say it would be? Okay. This is some controversial advice. Bring it. Okay. My advice would be it's never too late to not necessarily say no. I'm not saying call off your wedding. That's not what I'm saying, but it's never too late until it's too late. Meaning if you had one plan for how things are supposed to go and you need to pivot to keep your sanity, you pivot. If you need to say, hey, guys, it turns out that having all these guests and coordinating all these different guest lists for people that you are telling me I need to invite to this wedding that I've never even met or whatever, I don't want to have any of it. I just want to go on an island with the person I'm in love with and an officiant and do this thing. And maybe we'll have a party later. You got to preserve your relationship. And if someone is going to be permanently angry with you because you didn't fulfill a particular expectation they had of you. Maybe it's time to reevaluate that relationship or again, have a tough conversation. And I want to be clear, I'm not discounting certain like cultural expectations. That's something that we really wanted to showcase on the show as well. It's not easy, but you do need to remember no matter what your culture is to put your husband and you before everything. And honestly, I would hope that the people in your lives would want you to do that as well. Right. And those that are having a hard time dealing with it, that's often more their problem that they're going to find a way to work through than it is for you. Oh, yeah. So our wedding was supposed to be in New York. That was where I wanted to have it. I wanted like a winter New York wedding. And we were living in California. And so planning long distance was really hard. And his parents were sort of taking over some of the planning because they were genuinely just trying to help. But then I felt like I was losing sort of my control of what I wanted things to look like. And then that offended them because they were just trying to help. And ultimately I ended up pulling the plug and moving it to California so I could have more rain over my own wedding. And my husband's mom said to me, like, no one's going to come to California. That's what she said. She was like, no one's coming there. And they did. They did. And then some didn't. Does that matter? I mean, I'll see him later. Like, what are we doing? Who cares? Danielle and I have several couples who were in the thick of planning like a 250 person Philadelphia wedding. And we're like, nope. And they canceled it and had it at the top of uh, what was that hotel in New York? Gramercy Park Um, Hotel. Yeah. Gramercy Park Hotel, 30 people, super small. And it was amazing. Same thing happened with the pandemic, 200 people down to 15 people in the Rose Garden in Philly. And all of them are saying, wow, we just got rid of all the BS. And the wedding was amazing. And that's not to say there's like anything wrong with big stuff, but sometimes it feels like we were supposed to have this big thing. And especially with COVID, I think a lot of couples were kind of given this wonderful excuse to say, well, what do we actually want? Because we can't do what we were initially planning. So let's peel back all these layers and figure out what we do want, because that's our path through this. COVID obviously is a 
terrible, unfortunate thing that's happened, but it's given people this wonderful excuse to say, sorry, mom and dad, we can't invite all of your coworkers that we've never met to this wedding because that's not what we want. So I love that. And I think that's not controversial advice at all. I think that's very real stuff. And I think if someone needs that permission to say, you know what, the direction we're going does not align with our mission statement that we started with, you will pivot, you will course correct, and you will survive and it will be okay. Yes. A hundred percent. And also, yeah, I mean, there's always a lot of fear of like standing up to different relatives and it's like, well, okay, let's like play out the scenario where you cater to them and cave to them in all the ways that they want you to down the line, is that going to be a good marriage? Like mom has more influence than wife. Like, come on, use this as an opportunity to really see your relationship for what it is and the dynamics for what they are. And again, not going to be easy, but nothing that rewarding in life ever is. So just know that going in and it can save you, I think a lot of pain. Yeah. I'm giving you the little emoji, the little amen preach hand emoji. (laughs) Ringers can't see that, but that is what's happening. (laughs) Okay. So tell us how can we watch the wedding coach and when, when does all this happen? Okay. The wedding coach drops on Netflix. Heard of it. Um, on, (laughs) On April 7th, there are six episodes and each episode, I have a different plus one with me. I have a different friend helping me out, comedian friends. And that idea kind of came about because I've definitely been single when I attended weddings and they were like, you can bring a date, but you can't like bring just like a platonic body. And I was like, that's annoying. I want to just bring whoever I want to bring. So I did in my own show, I brought my own plus one and we are not dating. We are just buddies and it worked out great. Yeah. And the couple survived because of it. There are a lot of wedding shows. I'm a twisted soul. I love weddings. It's what I eat, live and breathe, no joke. And then when I watch some shows, I'm screaming at the TV being like, BS, I don't believe of course. <laughs> this show, I was laughing, I was crying, I was along for the ride. It was so lovely to see just like the realness of all of it. And it's still so funny, guys. I know everyone listening is going to love this. So yeah, any final thoughts that you want to share before we wrap up? Yeah, I guess my final thought would just be do right by yourself. Like everything in life is like secure your oxygen mask before you secure someone else's. And if you can kind of use that as a guidepost, you'll be in a much better place on the other side. I made it sound like you'll be in a better place when you die, but I meant on the other side of wedding planning. (laughs) Yeah. There's several layers. So I appreciate it. Right. The death of your singlehood is what I mean. Well, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. You are an absolute pleasure. Everyone, please go watch the show. You will not regret it. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Put A Ring On It podcast. Before we wrap up this episode, we just want to send some love and gratitude and hugs to all of our patrons in the Ringer Club. We would not be here without you. Thank you so much. You are the best. Absolutely. And let's be real. Things are way easier when you have a solid support system who is going through it right alongside you. So please join the Ringer Club community today at patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Just click the link in our show notes. The Ringer Club is the best way to support the show and receive direct access to Danielle and I. Plus, you have an entire community of Ringers helping too on Facebook. Membership is just eight bucks a month, and we have a limited number of spots available at a lower monthly rate where you get all the same benefits. Again, that's patreon.com slash P-A-R-O-I. Another way you can support the show is to rate, review, and subscribe in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us right now. 
And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram where you can catch some more tips, see Dan's amazing photos and watch some of our behind the scenes shenanigans. Follow us at Put A Ring On It Podcast. Okay, ringers. Remember, we're here to help you. But no matter whose advice you follow or what decisions you make, know that your wedding's going to be amazing. Because you rock. Until next time, ringers. <laughs>